0: From Ephesians chapter 2. God's people read together in one voice, one heart, one mind together. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews, who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ, you were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel and you did not know the covenant promises God made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us, He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together, as one body... Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who are far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his Spirit. May God be gracious to us in his word. You may be seated. I was sitting waiting not too long ago. an appointment I looked up on the wall and there was a framed reading it was a plaque it was wonderful it was called kids little instructions on life and it was a list of principles to live by that were offered up by 9 10 11 12 13 and 14 year old kids It was a great list and I wanted to just share a few of them with you we're going to look at another list this morning a list of instructions on how to be a part of the body of Christ. But I think you'll enjoy some of these. Patrick, who's 10, this was his word of advice. Never trust a dog to watch your food. I thought that was a good one. Matthew, age 12, says, When you want something expensive, ask your grandparents. <laughs> um, Andrew, who's 9, said, Never smart off to a teacher whose eyes and ears are twitching. I thought that was pretty good, kind of scary, but good. Um, Rosemary, who's seven, said never try to hide a piece of broccoli in a glass of milk. That's not bad advice. Lamar, I'm with Lamar on this one, age 10. Don't flush when your dad's in the shower. (laughs) I'm not going too fast, am I? You got that one? Okay. Um, Carol, who's age nine, says, Never ask for anything that costs more than five bucks when your parents are doing their taxes. (laughs) Never be ever too full for dessert, said Kelly, who's age 10. Heather says this. She's a little more wise. She's 16. When your dad is mad and asks you, Do I look stupid? Don't answer him. Good advice. Michael says at age 14... Never tell your mom that her diet is apparently not working. (laughs) Good advice. When you get a bad grade in school, advises Alicia, show it to your mom when she's on the phone. I like that one. Uh, Beware of cafeteria food when it looks like it's moving, says Rob. Never tell your little brother that you're not going to do what your mom told you to do. Stay away from prunes, says Randy, age nine. Philip at age 13 says, never dare your little brother to paint the family car. And then I like what Joanne says in, at age 11. Remember the two places you are always welcome, church and grandma's house. That's very good. In Romans chapter 12, in keeping with our thoughts on being one in the body of Christ, we have another list. It's also a list of reminders. Reminders. Words of advice from God to us on what really works in the body of Christ. Every once in a while, it doesn't hurt to be reminded of what works. To kind of go back through the list of things that God has established for us. In order that we might experience a oneness and harmony and a genuine love for one another in the body of Christ. And that's what we have in Romans chapter 12. And so I want to invite you to turn there if you've got a copy of the scriptures. Or something that allows you to follow along. And I'm going to read this section for you. And then we'll go back and make a few comments that I hope will be encouraging, challenging, and helpful to all of us. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the believers At Rome, and he says this, and so all of you, dear Christian friends, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that He will accept. And what you think of what He has done for you, is that too much to ask? Don't copy the behaviors or customs of this world, but let God rather transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect His will really is. As God's messenger, I give each of you this warning. Be honest in your estimation of yourselves Measuring your value by how much faith God has given you. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of His one body, and each of us has different work to do. And since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. God has given us each an ability to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, then speak out when you have faith that God is speaking through you. If your gift is that of serving others, well then serve them well. If you're a teacher, do a good job teaching. If your gift is to encourage others, do it. If you have money, share it generously. If God has given you leadership ability, we'll take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. And don't just pretend that you love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong and stand on the side of good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy in your work, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. Be glad, for all God is planning for you. Be patient in trouble and always be prayerful. When God's children are in need, be the one to help out. And get into the habit of inviting guests home for dinner. Or if they need lodging for the night. If people persecute you because you're a Christian, don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. When others are happy, be happy with them. If they're sad, then share their sorrow. Live in harmony with each other. Don't try to act important, but enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do your part to live in peace with everyone As much as possible, dear friends, never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God, for it is written, I will take vengeance, I will repay those who deserve it, says the Lord. Instead, do what the scriptures say. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. They will not be ashamed of what they have done to you. And they will be ashamed, I should say, of what they have done to you. Don't let evil get the best of you. But conquer evil by doing good. That's a great list. (laughs) That's a great list. What I want to do is just go back through in general terms and highlight a couple of them in ways that maybe will remove them from a plaque on the wall and let them find their way into our lives and into our body. The body of Christ here. First of all, he says... Dear Christian friends, that's you, that's me, that's all of us together. I, I plead with you. Paul is in the begging mode here. He's urging these people to experience a level of oneness together. And he says, I plead with you, give your bodies to God. God. That's your frame, that's you, that's your body, that's who you are. I plead with all of you, give yourselves to God in holiness and in worship. The overarching kind of instruction and in principle for finding oneness in the body of Christ is that you and I are to pursue and live a life of personal sacrifice, not self-satisfaction. Present your bodies as living sacrifices, all that you are, your whole self, in sacrificial service to Christ and to, to one another. That's the urging of God, for me, for you, for the body of Christ here at First Baptist North. He's pleading with us to do this, to go to this level in our commitment to Christ and to one another. And is there anything more precious and valuable to you than your own body, and he, that's what he touches. that's what he grabs. I want that, I want that, I want fully that on the altar for me and for one another. Now nothing, nothing in our culture and certainly not in our human DNA contributes <clears throat> to a positive kind of understanding of this. We are not naturally given to self-sacrifice. Do you know what the number one reality is? show on television is hoarders. <laughs> I mean, that's just too hard to watch. You know, it's, I don't know, it's bizarre. We don't want to make light of disabilities and struggles. But hoarders, we're, we're hoarders by nature. That's what we do. Stuff. We hoard our stuff, our things, our emotions, our preferences, our gender, our family. We just we just wanna keep it all to ourselves. That by nature, that's the that's the software that operates in me. I'm gonna hoard things to myself. So this call, this urging to sacrifice is is otherworldly. It comes from someplace else. It comes from God. But it's the foundational principle for experiencing oneness in the body of Christ. What marks us, you see, is sacrificial living in holiness and worship, presenting our whole selves to Christ and to one another. And he says it has to do with choosing a pattern for your life. Man, I need to hear this. You need to hear this. Our teenagers need to hear this. This is a great reminder. It's not on a plaque. It's in the Word of God, and it comes storming into our experience this morning. God says, listen, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. That's a pattern. Don't use the world's presentation and what the world offers as what's meaningful and best for you. As your standard, your pattern for your life, for your relationship, for the way you think, for the the way you spend your time or invest all of your resources. Don't use the world's pattern. Rather, you see, let God transform your mind so that you will use his pattern to live your life. The pattern of Christ. Christ. And guess what? It's a pattern of self-sacrifice and denial. That's where it begins. This idea of kind of living within our own kind of desires and world is so far removed from the vision of Christ for us. But you can begin to see how it can break down the fabric of oneness if we're all operating out of a sense of serving self. Now this is how it looks, by the way, just in case you're saying, well, is that even possible? I know I kind of asked that question, but the Apostle Paul, again, he he kind of shows us that there really is a reality. If you you want to go there with me, you can to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I invite you to do that, but if not, you can just listen to this. This This is compelling. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, this is Paul kind of describing some of his experience, and he's talking about, there's anybody who has... Something worthy of boasting about in terms of the Christian life, it's him. Verse uh, 21 of chapter 11, Paul says, Whatever they dare to boast about, I'm I'm talking like a fool again because I can boast about it too. They say they are Hebrews. Do they? So am I. And they say they are Israelites. Well, so am I. And they are descendants of Abraham. Well, so am I. They serve Christ. Well, I know I sound like a madman, but I've served him far more. And here he is. This is how he has suffered in his body. Has offered himself as a living sacrifice. I have worked harder. Been put in jail more often. Been whipped times without number. And faced death again and again. It's his body. Five different times the Jews gave me 39 lashes. Five times. Now once. Is nearly a death sentence. But then there was a second time where they strapped him to a post. And they whipped his body with this this device that had um, nail-like claws at the end of it. And as they retrieved that whip, it, it tore against his flesh. 39 times. That was the second time. But then it happened a third time. And then a fourth. And then it happened again to his body. That's five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I've, I've traveled many weary miles. I've faced dangers from flooded rivers, dangers from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities and the des- deserts and on the stormy seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be Christians, but, are, uh, but I have not. Listen, do you know what George Barner said is the number one premium for Christians in the church today? Do you know what the number one thing you are concerned about more than anything else, according to George Barna? Safety. Number one. I'll do it. As long as I'm safe. Oh, I'll go. As long as you can guarantee my safety. You can have my kiddos on this deal, but you got to guarantee, I need assurances that their bodies are going to be safe. Number one. <laughs> and the urging, the primary urging from Almighty God for you and for me in the body of Christ is that we offer our bodies. It's that we throw safety to the wind and follow hard after Christ. Deny self when he calls. It runs against everything <laughs> in us and certainly against everything in our culture. And so we are urged, number one, to live a life of self sacrifice rather than. Self-promotion. Now back to Romans chapter 12. There's something else that he urges us along these lines as well. And it has to do with our mindset. Let's go back to Romans 12. Second, we are called to not overestimate the significance of ourselves. Don't Overestimate the significance of you. <laughs> I like that. Um, one, one translation says, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. That's the idea. Don't, don't overestimate uh, the significance uh, of you. Because you're really not all that significant compared to the wider story, which is the significance of the body of Christ. Um, The human body, he says in verse 12, uh, has many parts, but the many parts make up um, only one body. So it is with the body of Christ. That's the idea. And along with that, we we, we don't underestimate the power of the body of Christ. Do you live your life? Do I live my life, my Christian life, thinking like primarily my needs matter? My priorities are most important. My perspectives are the most virtuous. Or are we thinking of others more highly than ourselves? or maybe it's my background or my experience or my comfort zone or anything else my 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 but it contributes negatively to the breakdown of the oneness in the body of Christ now this is this is what God is saying don't don't think that way um there's a bizarre distraction, I think, in our culture today. We've spoken of it a couple of times. But it's this, it's this idea that we are, to be, we are to be more concerned about our own families than we are about our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. And it, it, it's, it's bizarre kind of distortion of of reality and of the biblical witness. We belong to each other. Now, if you want to go to look at this, to Luke chapter 9, I want you to hear the words of Jesus. Jesus is our pattern. The world is not our pattern, but rather Jesus is our pattern. I want you to hear some of his words, and they are compelling. Um, They are not easy to make our way through, but we we must hear the witness of Jesus. This is at a time near the end of his earthly ministry. He was near to the cross, about ready to give up his whole body sacrificially on the cross, and He was finishing his ministry in in verse 57 of Luke chapter 9. Luke tells us that as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you no matter where you go. How many of you in this room have said that, those very same words? I will follow Jesus. You don't have to raise your hand. But imagine, I will follow you. Jesus, I will follow you. To which Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but I, the son of man, have no home of my own, not even a place to lay my head. You will follow me, but I want you to know that if you follow me, and certainly when you do, I cannot guarantee that you will have even a roof over your head or a place to lie down at night. Are we still ready to follow Jesus? Another man, he he said to another person, come, follow me, be my disciple. And the man agreed and, and said, I will follow you, but first let me return home and bury my dad. Well, now that sounds good, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound virtuous? That's a good Christian thing to do, to take care of our family, to take care of our fathers. And he said, I will follow you, Jesus, but I first have to go home and attend to my father's funeral. I've got to go to my dad's funeral. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. Your duty is to go and preach the coming of the kingdom of God. we still ready? Wait, wait a minute. I, th- I thought I thought it was good to, to, to go back and Jesus, I don't want to follow you, but I, I got to take care of my, my dad first, right? Nope. I need you to go now. I need you to follow me. This isn't comfortable, is it? It's not comfortable because we've, we, we've distorted the witness of Scripture. Rick. We've got this notion that somehow it's more virtuous. It's, it's really more godly. It's more Christian to, to take care of my own, to take care of my family first. And Jesus is saying, you follow me. I'll take care of your family. I'll take care of your dad. I'll take care of your mom and your grandparents. I'll take care of your children. I'm calling you to follow me. Later on, Jesus was surrounded by people's needs and and these these disciples came up to him and said, Jesus, Jesus, your mom's out there and and your brothers and they want to talk to you. They need a word with you. Your mom's on the phone. (laughs) It's your mom. What did Jesus say? Well who who is my family? Who is my brothers and my sisters? They are the ones who do the will of my father. He just put following Him way, way up here compared to taking care of the ones closest to us. We we, we overestimate ourselves and we underestimate the vision, the power of the body of Christ, following after Christ, serving one another. And we're not making this up. This is, in the, this is in the scriptures. Some of you may be resisting the clear call and will of Christ for your life because you you, you can't you you can't tell your mom you're leaving. Because she doesn't want you to go. She doesn't want your body on the mission field. She wants your body at home. Jesus said, I want it all. Finally, listen, we celebrate, we celebrate the fact that we are all different. We are all gifted, but we are one. Using our Gifts to serve the body of Christ. This is back also in Romans chapter 12. He says, Listen, Here, here's the vision. Um, God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. Y- you are among the most gifted people on the planet because of Christ in you. So if God has given you the ability to preach, then preach. For crying out loud, preach. If God has given you the ability to, 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 to have faith, then, then have faith. If, if your gift is to serve others, then serve them. Serve them. If your gift is to teach, then you need to teach. <clears throat> if your gift is not to teach, then you shouldn't teach. <laughs> right? I mean, just because you think you're a teacher, but you don't have the gift, you probably shouldn't teach. But if you do, if God has gifted you as a teacher, then by all means, you need to teach. And we need to move heaven and the earth to make sure you're in front of God's people teaching His Word. The idea is we're all gifted. We all have an opportunity to share what God has given to us, but not out there in the church. This is body talk. We need the gifts of Christ's people here in this place to serve Him and to serve one another. If you're generous, if you're a giver, then give. If God has given you leadership ability as he has some, then you need to, you need to be in a place of leadership. If you have the gift of mercy, then you need, you need to show mercy. Do it gladly. Let, let's, let's not build a program or put a policy around it to keep people from serving mercifully. Let's let them serve. Serve. Some of you have the gift of mercy, but you're in a box. We need you out of the box in the body of Christ, being merciful to one another, being merciful to the people who God brings into our presence and in this place. That's how it works, you see. We begin, we begin to use in the spirit of Christ the gifts that he has given to us. <laughs> and he ends this passage with this, this beautiful kind of description of of love and and I just love verse 9 this is in the the New Living Translation Romans 12 don't just pretend that you love others (laughs) don't play love really love hate what is wrong stand on the side of good love each other with genuine affection and take delight take delight in honoring each other (laughs) Isn't that great? That, that's, that's the experience in the body of Christ. <laughs> it's not here in the English, in some translations. but you know what that literally means? This, it, it, it's, a, it's an athletic phrase that has to do with racing. Run ahead of each other in demonstrations of Christian love. How about that? Compete with one another to see if you can outdo your brother and sister in Christ in loving one another. How about that for a vision? Go for that. <laughs> you and me and all of us together outdoing each other in, in acts of genuine affection and love. Love. I know you know this one. God so loved the world that he outran us. He outdid us and gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not die but have eternal life. God demonstrated his own love for us in that when we were still rebellious and sinful in all that we were doing, Christ outran us. He he outdid us and died for us. He took his body and he died for us in love. That's what he did. That's what we're looking at. That's the body of Christ. Can you imagine the impact on this place or any place if God's people, filled with the Spirit of Christ, would outdo each other in love and affection? Imagine. Jonathan came home and handed me something. He picked it up at school. You know, you never, it's always, you never know what they're going to pick up at bring home, <laughs> besides viruses, I mean. And um, (laughs) he said, Dad, he likes to scare his mom, you know, when his mom's coming out of the corner from the, you know, doing her hair, whatever, in the darkness. And she's unaware, and he'll stand in his little frame around the corner, and as soon as she steps around the bend, he'll, whoa, you know, and whoa, and all this. He just laughs. He thinks it's the funniest thing. So he was trying to recruit me to do it with him. So I said, Dad, give this a go. Just wait till Mom comes out of the room. And then just stand right here. And as soon as she steps outside the door, go like this. And she'll scream, okay? And I'm like, I don't know about that, John. She kind of gets a kick out of it when you do it. I'm not sure she's going to appreciate it so much coming from me. And this is what he said. He said, Dad, I double dog dare you to do it. (laughs) I'm not going to tell you if I did it or not. This is God saying to you and to me. I double dog dare you to love each other like this. I double dog dare you. Just watch what Let's run that risk. Let's take that dare. For the praise and glory of his name. Let's pray. Lord God, do this somehow in my life, in all of our lives. Finish this work. Work so thankful that you outran us in Christ. Oh give us a desire to do the same with one another. We ask it that you would be glorified. We become one. Make us one, Father God, in Christ today, this day. And help us to follow after you regardless. Through Christ, our Lord. Amen.